0: I think that should be me on, I think. Wow. Mm. So there's two things I felt as we were worshiping today, just while the rest of the people come back um, down. One, I felt very strongly the Lord was saying, That sorrow may last for a night, but joy will come in the morning. And uh, that's for somebody sitting out there today (laughs) who need to understand. How long's a night? I'm not really sure how long a night is, but I'm sure of one thing, that joy will come in the morning. Some of you have been, it's been a long night for some of you guys. And um, God promises Joy. (laughs) Don't deny the sorrow, but don't forget the promise of the joy. It's really important. The joy comes in the morning. And then the Lord said this to me. What's the worst thing anybody can face, Alan? What's the worst thing anybody could face? It is the wrath of God. It flies in the face of our song, doesn't it? but it is a truth. Because God is good, He has made a way so we don't have to face His wrath any longer. Ah. So we just need to get that in. We had a good night last night. We had people visiting. Even people all the way from Amble visiting. It was a tough night. There was a really heavy sense of an atmosphere that needed shifted and I think by the end of it we we got somewhere near that (laughs) but it was a real tough night and um I think we only lost two so that wasn't too bad (laughs) um (laughs) 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 Uh. wow I'm going to continue with uh, Titus. I don't think I've ever preached on this passage, and I don't think I've ever heard anybody preach on this passage. (laughs) But when you're doing systematic Bible teaching, um, you come across these passages, and you're not able to skip over them. And uh, so therefore, it's a very difficult passage this morning, and uh, the word I bring to you this morning as well will be a challenging word for us, I'm sure. Uh, It challenged me. Uh, Titus 1, and I'm doing uh, six verses from 10 to 16, says something like this, there are many people who refuse to cooperate, amen, Amen. never mind, it's going to be hard work here today as well, it (laughs) is, who talk about worthless things and lead others into wrong things. mainly those who insist that you need to be circumcised to be saved these people must be stopped because they are upsetting the whole family by teaching these things that they should not teach they were teaching them (laughs) to get rich Wow. Even one of their own prophets said Cretans, I'm going to call them Cretans. <laughs> Listen to this verse. You are always liars, evil animals and lazy people who do nothing but eat. Wow. And then he goes on to say, if this is true, do nothing but eat. And these words of the prophet are true. So firmly tell these people they are wrong. So that they may become strong in their faith. Not accepting Jewish false stories that command people to reject the truth. To those who are pure, all things are pure. To those who are full of sin and do not believe, nothing is pure. But their minds and their consciences, consciences have been ruined. They say that they know God, but their actions do not accept Him. Wow. When you go out on the street, there are many people who will say that they know God. But their actions do not accept the reality of that statement in their lives. They are hateful people. They refuse to obey. And they are useless for doing any good thing. How did I get this passage? (laughs) Just put the first picture up if you would, Pete. (laughs) You useless cretins. You lazy liars. You do no but eat. And when I read that verse, it reminded me of this big fat dog. With a bit of a bullying attitude, isn't it? But do you know that Paul here quotes a pagan prophet? Whoa. Now if I was standing up here this morning and quoting the Quran, you might get a little worried. Some of you might. But Paul quotes a pagan prophet. Why? Because it was the truth. even though it came from a pagan prophet. It was the truth. And it's not the only time in the New Testament that prophets, pagan prophets, poets, even a comedian at one point, was quoted. So 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That was a Greek poet, But it was the truth. Remember the story in, in Acts. Acts 16. 17 18. Paul and the team were going around. And this young servant girl was following him saying, These men, these men here, they're men of God and they're telling you the way to be saved. Remember the story? And after a couple of days, Paul gets a bit sick and turns around and casts out the demon. Out of the servant girl that was declaring the truth. The demon that was declaring the truth he cast out. Here's another verse that he quoted from another group of pagans. Most of us will know it from Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. As some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should... we should not think that the divine nature is like silver or gold or stone, an image made by human hands. What am I trying to say in the beginning of this? Because I want to rush through this. I want to do a couple of things. I'm trying to say this. What what Titus come up against is people with a selfish ambition, a motive, other than God's purpose. He come up against a bunch of people. Paul said, you sort them out. He'd come up against a bunch of people that were trying to add to the gospel by saying you had to be circumcised for their own gain. Church, it's true, even today in many churches, people will try to add to the gospel of grace. I tell you, you cannot add a single thing to your salvation you are saved by grace through faith, full stop. Amen. You can do as many good works as you like. You can read as many scriptures as you want and pray as long as you want. You are saved by grace through faith. Hallelujah. See, the Jewish people were going, how come this Titus is here? He hasn't been circumcised. Do you know what? He's not even a Jew. And, and Titus, Titus, Didn't get circumcised. (laughs) He didn't do it. He didn't go there. And he was Paul's living testimony to the culture that you're saved by grace alone. God is good. You're saved by his grace, it's a free gift. From God, it is not of works lest any of us should boast. Yeah. You cannot add to the gospel of grace. It is not only free, but it's full. So because we're all adults, I thought I would do a quick before and after of circumcision. You're so excited, aren't you? Aren't you <laughs> now? You're excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. So before and after. You saw so dragging me into that. Wow. Well, before and after Titus was a man of God who was willing to contend for the faith. Wow. He really was willing to contend for the faith. Listen, church. I say this in all the love in the world. My theology has changed a lot. My my theology has changed an awful lot in all the years I've known Jesus. But it genuinely has changed. I think we're in a real danger, church. The church is in real danger because because theology is changing to make us feel good about our rebellion. Follow me in this church. Because, because what's happening is, that if your theology changes, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you change your theology to suit your rebellion, yeah. Yeah. it's completely wrong. Because you're trying to justify a lifestyle and then you bend the Scripture to prove it. And that's what the early church was up against. They had to hold strong to the faith. You're saved by grace. You don't need circumcision. You don't need all the other stuff. He's a co-worker. So I want to talk to you this morning, push right through this, on rebellion this morning. I want to talk to you about personal rebellion, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about corporate rebellion. And I want to use two passages from the Old Testament, deliberately from the Old Testament, because i tell you for why. It helps you appreciate that you now stand in grace, but also it helps you realize that it is the same God that we worship yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. So whether we like these passages in the Old Testament doesn't really give us two hoots. Do you know what? Because Pe- people, will, people will then say, well, it's not, it's not culturally relevant to today, is it? So I'm going to change my theology to suit my rebellion. Because it's not culturally relevant then, was it? I don't want to get into this too much church, but this is rife in the church. If it is your theology, and it's one of the things we encourage here at the beer, is don't believe what I believe, believe what you Believe. You go away and sort out your theology. Some things will not shift. If you come here and tell me that Jesus was not the Son of God, then you're out the door. But actually, some of the other stuff you have to work out because otherwise you're just repeating my theology. So you have to work it out for you. But listen, you can use your theology to justify your rebellion or our sin because rebellion is sin. So, personal rebellion. I believe that personal rebellion... I have to be careful. Or say I don't want to prophesy anything negative over us. Um, the potential for personal rebellion is in the heart of each one of us. Selfish ambition. It's in the heart of each one of us. So, the first story I want to talk to you about is they're both very well-known stories, but it's a story uh, where a guy... Um, called Jonah. And God says to him, Jonah, I want you to go 550 miles to Nineveh. So Jonah decides, I'm going to go 2,500 miles the opposite way. <laughs> he began his run from God, his rebellion. Rebellion will take you further than you're willing to go. It will make you stay longer than you're willing to stay and it will make you pay more than you are willing to pay. So Jonah I ironically tried to flee from the presence of the Lord. That's what he tried to do. Crazy. But God's grace begins to pursue him even at that place. Thank God for his grace. But what did God's grace look like? Well, at that particular time, it looked like a violent storm. It says even the sailors were worried. I don't know about you, but when you've been on an airplane, if it gets a bit bumpy, I always watch the steward and the stewardess. Have a look at them. If they're all right, you're all right. If they're getting a bit worried. Buckle in tight. So where was Jonah? He was asleep. In a deep sleep, it says. Beneath the deck. There's a a real lesson for us here, church. Jonah was sent to to speak into a culture, an ungodly culture, to redeem them from the wrath of God. And he was asleep in a boat, going the opposite way. (laughs) That's us, church. We've been sent out from God to a culture that has the potential to receive His, to receive his wrath or His love. Yeah. And that comes through us. He's sending us out. And if you're asleep in the, below the decks, then God wants to wake you up, man. Wake up, or oh sleeper. And rise from the dead. Or Christ will shine on you. It says, even the captain came to Jonah. Now, if the pilot runs out, you know you're definitely in trouble. Even the captain came and said to him, Pray. I believe the world is calling out for us to pray, church. The world is calling out for us today to wake up and pray for this nation that we find ourselves in. I want to say this. Rebellion affects the lives of others. When you run from God, it affects those around you. Rebellion is not always just between you and God. It's a bit of a heavy word today, but it's a good word today. When someone in your house gets cooled, what do they do? They let those germs fly, don't they? You're in an environment of germ. And nine times out of ten, you're probably going to get it, aren't you? When you're in an environment of rebellion, it spreads. And you get caught in it. Remember Joshua. In Joshua, there's a guy called Achan. And, and Joshua says, go on, God's going to go with a battle. And he did. And, and You know the story very well. These are all good Christians. And, 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 and he, said, he said, but don't touch anything. Don't, don't. So this Achan guy decides to go in and he sees this lovely, lovely frock or whatever it was. It said it was a Babylonian robe, I think. And, and he sees some money. And he, and, and, and he thinks... They're not going to miss that. What's the point of leaving it here? So he takes them and he hides it under his tent. He rebels against the word of the Lord. Joshua 7.25 says this. Joshua said, why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. And you and all your household will be stoned. Not good stoned. Bad stoned. Not that that's good stoned. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Got to be careful. <laughs> uh, if you could edit that, please. It is uh, 11.31. Thank you. <clears throat> wow. Well. Thank God we're under his grace. <laughs> wow. So sin affected his nation, his family. It affected everything. Rebellion will weigh you down. Jonah went down to Joba, He went down under the decks. He went down into the waters. When we run from God, it will drain you. Hebrews says, have nothing to do with sin that so easily entangles. And then secondly, I want to mention just briefly a guy in the Old Testament, Korah. He's was found in Numbers 16. He's an interesting guy. <laughs> Let me tell you a little of his story. Rebellion is often linked to selfish ambition. Doing what you want because you want it. I believe man has that desire in our hearts other than the grace of God which has come in and changed that. You know, the old song isn't wrong, is it? It's all about me, Jesus. All this is for me. So if I should do things your way. Wow. So Korah, he rose up against Moses. And 250 Israel men, all of the men of Israel also, well-known leaders in the community, and he appointed members, appointed members of the council. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron. And he said to them, you've gone too far, Moses. You've gone too far. The whole company is holy. Wow. And Korah is not necessarily wrong here, is he? We teach this here at the bay. The same Jesus that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and you. But this necessarily wasn't about that, you see. This this was about calling and function. It wasn't about that Moses, you're better than me. And this is mentioned in in Jude, in Jude 1.11, it says, Woe to them who have taken the way of Cana, those who have rushed for profit into Balaam's error, and those who have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. So Cain, he was full of jealousy and anger, which led to murder. Balaam, his motive was greed, but Coram's motive was selfish ambition. He was from the tribe of Levi, so he already had position within the church. What I'm sharing with you here today isn't about church, but it's about rebellion, okay? Big thing. He had people around him. Now, Cora was a leader. He managed to get two other guys to partner with him. And then he managed to get 250 good people to partner with him. People who were well-known in the community. But how many of us know Adolf Hitler was a good leader? But he used that leadership skill for evil rather than good. Korah was a good leader. He was a good man with his leadership skills. Psalm says this, and as I say, this is about function and about God placing people in positions. But the Psalm 75, 7 says this, it is God who judges. He brings one down and he exalts another. Amen. You see, Korah wasn't having to go at Moses. He was having a go at God's appointment. Yeah. That's a dangerous place to be. But Alan, who made you a leader? Well, I stepped into a calling. Yeah. Does that make you any better? No, not a jot. But listen... Korah could not have Moses' calling. It's big in a church, this church, because people want other people's calling. If you're not called into leadership, go the opposite way because it'll kill you. We've got people striving to be leaders if they only knew. Unless the calling of God is on your life to do anything. Then you're beginning a journey that's about selfish ambition. I want to be in where He's called me to be. Doesn't make me any better. Anybody who's up on this platform is no better than anybody sitting in a pew, they just have a different function. That's all. So the story continues that Moses is faced with these people. Then it says, Then Moses, when Moses heard this, he fell on his face. He says some strong words to them as well. He says, You Levites, you've gone too far. So there arose an opposition. Instead of Moses instantly feeling threatened by that, his response was to get on his face before God. His response was not to send an email or a text or put a salty comment on Facebook. (laughs) His first response was this, I'm going to get my face before God. I'll tell you what Moses done. He's a wise man, Moses. I'll tell you what he done. He understood this very clearly, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And who brings down those principalities and powers is God himself. So Moses recognized for what it was and went, I need to get on my face before God. So he didn't get in Korah's face. He got on his face. The second thing he did was this. He says, I'm going to sleep on it. We'll sort this out tomorrow. I'm going to sleep on it. Wise man. the wise man. He put a bit of space between him and the problem. He got on his face, made some space, but he did say this, we will sort this out tomorrow. He nipped rebellion in the bud, early doors. But he didn't respond out of anger immediately. Then he reminded them. His last ditch attempt was to remind them of their position that God had allowed them to have within the church and how well they were doing. And do you realize what you're going to throw away? He made a last ditch attempt to try and resolve the situation. But rebellion looks for a fall guy. And sometimes that's the leader. Moses became very angry, it says, in 1615. He became very angry and said, do not accept the offerings that these people bring God. I've done nothing to them. I've not even took a donkey from them. Wow. And again, it just helps us point out that we need to take our anger to God and not respond in anger as the first thing we do. This is a good word, because I'm off down to Warwickshire straight after today, so none of you can really get at me. I'll be out the door <laughs> and, uh, and away um, for a couple of days, going down to see the bishop. Wow. The story continues. It's, it's really interesting. He said, Moses says, all right, we're going to set this challenge. Each of your 250 men, they'll bring some incense burners. I think they were made of bronze. And um, you'll bring a bit of coal and you stick your incense on it. And, 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 and the Lord will ask the Lord to do something He's never done before to see if you or me is right. What we're going to do is we're going to ask the Lord um, to open up the ground and swallow you. There's your first clue straight away. <laughs> Moses has got a bit of history. <laughs> Wasn't a perfect guy, but he's got a bit of history of opening things and closing things. I, I would have been... At that point, I would have been off. Um, But they came. They came. 250 men also stepped out of that calling and began to act like priests when they weren't priests. Interesting to find out what happens to them. So he called them and they came. It says the presence of the Lord came on the whole company. Not just on the 250, but on the whole congregation. The presence of the Lord descended. That must have been frightening. <laughs> that must have been frightening. And, and, and what happened... Some of you will know the story, I'm sure. But what happened was just incredible in many senses. It was frighteningly incredible. Because... because Moses says, will he he do something? I think there might be another picture, Peter. Maybe uh, that's him. He says, but if Yahweh does something utterly new, if the earth should open up its mouth and swallow them and, and take them down into the depths, you would hope Korah at that point in time would have went, do you know what? Let's shake on it, Moses. I got it a bit wrong. I'm sorry, buddy. Let's shake on it. And the story goes on. And that's exactly what happened. God offered Moses a solution before that took place. And God says, listen, I've got a solution, Moses. Why don't I fry the lot? (laughs) I'll just fry them all. We'll start again. And you know what the Bible says? It says, Moses on his face again before God mm. for the people yeah. the same rebellious people and he said this would you not would you, would, you, would you destroy the whole congregation for the sake of the sin of one man And mm. church there is the gospel in a nutshell Amen. would you destroy the whole world for the sin of Adam Jesus says no I'll step in And Moses stepped into that place on his face again before the Lord, pleading for those rebellious people not to be consumed by his wrath. He also says this. He says, if you're hanging around Korah and his mates, put some distance between yourself and them. Because when God comes... If you're standing too close, you might get it as well. <laughs> and we know the story. The ground opened up and consumed Cora And those are the two guys that were with him. And some of their family and friends. But not everyone here's a lesson: Cora's children managed to survive. How did they do that? Here's, get all of this. They put distance between them and the sin of rebellion, even though it was from their mom and dad. They distanced themselves. They said, Dad, Mum, we love you. But whoa, <laughs> you're on your own on this one. And it's a great picture for each of us that whatever generational history you come from, you can still fulfill your destiny in God. Amen. Whatever generational history you come from. Listen what Korah's sons wrote. Listen what they said. Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, God. My soul thirsts for you, the living God. You see, his sons went on to fulfill their destiny because they didn't partner with rebellion. Listen what Psalm says. He wrote another one in Psalms 84, 10, and 11. It says this, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Doesn't it make sense when you know now? Yeah. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than go down burning with my mom and dad. That's well, not quite in there. <laughs> That's the message translation. <laughs> I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God, then dwell in the tents of the wicked. Wow. Wow. And the ground opened up, and it swallowed them. then it says also that fire came and consumed the 250. And all that was left of the 250 was their incense. Hold us. The rest were gone. <laughs> so Moses says to Aaron, Aaron, would you mind going into that fiery place and picking up those incense burners?" <laughs> 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 which at which point I would have went, come on Moses. You don't get me going over there. <laughs> And these people who had stepped out of their destiny and wanted to be priests were consumed because of their rebellion by the same God that we worship today. The same God, not a different God, the same God. The difference is grace. Thank our lucky stars for grace. (laughs) I can tell you, thank God for his grace on all of our lives. Thank God for grace on all of our lives. They were consumed and their incense burners were left. And Moses picked them up and God says, I want you to bash them into a plate and I want you to place them on the altar as a reminder that when people come to worship me, don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. Wow. So you can just imagine, I'm coming into the land now, you can just imagine, can't you? Yeah. That all that's gone on, and Aaron, Moses, they're like, that was a couple of days, wasn't it? Yeah? We had to work for our pastor's pay that week, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wasn't a coffee and costa, was it? Uh. <laughs> so he gets up the next day, and he must be thinking, Wow, and there's Moses. He's got his cup of coffee and his donut. Well he's Jewish, he wouldn't have a bacon sandwich, he would have a donut, wouldn't he? So um, Bagel, bagel maybe. and uh, he's, he's Costa coffee and uh, he's bagel and um, cream cheese, cream cheese and salmon? Yeah. We'll go we'll, I don't know where, where we're going with this. But there he is thinking, it's not great. Isn't that great? Wow, you know, I'm pleased that day's over. I slept well last night. Get up this morning. Knock, 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 knock on the tent. And there's the company again. Moses, why did you kill all God's people? You can just imagine his heart sinking, can't you? Oh, not another day like this. <laughs> but the blatantness of their rebellion to even come back again after seeing what they've seen. Why have you killed? Because these people that got consumed were good in the community. They were, they were you know, they were, they were well-renowned people. But that didn't stop God taking them out. He took them out like that. Consumed them. Wow. So because of their complaint the next day, God, our Father, the same God we worship today, Decided to send a plague into the whole community. And people began to die. Moses, the good man he is, yet again, despite his coffee getting cold, got before God. Half-eaten bagel, coffee getting cold, he gets before God. And he says, God, God, God. And then he says, Aaron, I want you to run between life and death. Wow. And stand in the gap on behalf of these people. That God in his mercy would not wipe them out. Wow. Wow. In church, it's the same question for us today. There is a plague of sin that is wiping people out and is putting people before God to be judged. I don't know what you think about this. You may even differ from my theology. I don't really care about that. I believe this that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And I believe God, in his mercy, would that none would perish. That's what I believe. He's a good God. He's provided a way none would perish. And He says to you and to me, David, go and stand in the gap between the living and the dead and cry for God's mercy to come that they might not all die. It's real stuff church It's real stuff. We've been given that privilege of demonstrating the grace of God. It is a privilege, but it's real stuff. This life is short and eternity is long. Well... We have got, thankfully, people who are intercessors and who pray. Yeah. And that's fantastic. That's exactly what Aaron did. He must have looked at Moses twice again, no, mustn't he? So you want me to go in the middle of the plague now? I've just been in the fire. Now you want me to go in the plague? Wow. That's just the difference between a senior leader and a leader. Sorry, Paul. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to just send them in there, haven't you? <laughs> the only difference is senior leaders got no hair. That's the only difference. Bless Aaron and I, Aaron. Aaron, bless Aaron. Bless him. He said, "Yeah, you finish your coffee, Moses." I'll just nip into that plague. Yeah, I know. You've been around a bit longer than me. Yeah, yeah. You were God's chosen before me. That's fine. I'll go into the plague. You finish your coffee and bagel. Because of one man's rebellion, 15,000 people died. Because of one man's rebellion. Because one man's envy and and selfish ambition and thinking that he was better than the God-appointed leader. Now, this isn't just about church. This may even be your boss at work. I'm going to do a series, two weeks I'm going to do in April uh, before Rachel speaks to us on... She's speaking to us on... It'll come back to me in a minute. She's speaking on honor. And I'm going to do two weeks before that on authority. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but you've always had authority over your life. Many different authorities over your life. Even in the womb, there was authorities over your lives. So I'm going to do a two-week series on that, so more for that to come. So... Let me finish off by four very simple points. I'm just going to read them. I'm not saying anything on them. When you encounter a rebellious spirit, and I haven't gone into the whole spirit thing. I haven't gone in that it's linked into a spirit of witchcraft. I haven't gone into the fact that um, it's, it's part of the Jezebel spirit. Um, Jezebel doesn't, is not just for females, by the way. Jezebel's spirit is male and female. It's a spirit that would um, want to dominate And lead, So it's all linked into the same spirit. I've not gone into that deliberately today. Maybe another time. But it is a spiritual warfare thing. Rebellion. You're not going to win it by winning the argument. You're going to win it by getting on your face before God. And God bringing judgment in His grace. In the situation. That's how you're going to win it. But here's what it is. First thing. You get on your face before God. If you encounter a rebellious spirit you get on your face before God make sure your heart is right before God the second thing we do is this we do not respond immediately with anger i'm going to sleep on this things look very different in the morning the third thing we do is we try to have dialogue and talk through relationship with the individual or group of individuals. And the last thing we do and probably the most important is we trust God to defend us. God always has the answer and always has the solution. You might have an answer and a solution but God always has the right answer and the right solution. So I just want to say this as a finish today. <laughs> This is heavy stuff, isn't it? We've had a little bit of a laugh, but it's pretty heavy stuff. And I don't think rebellion is far from each one of us. Either encountered or a desire in our heart to want to fill selfish ambition. There's nothing wrong with ambition and there's nothing wrong with you doing what God's called you to do. But when you begin to covet a position or another person's calling, You're in danger of maybe attracting a group of people that might want to think the same way about you. Does it mean that a person's calling is always right? No, of course there are times and seasons when things change. But rebellion is never the answer to that. It never is. Can I ask you one question as I close? Where in the Bible was the first church church? Split. Heaven. Heaven. Well done. You were here last night. (laughs) You cheater. (laughs) 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 Terrible. So in a perfect place, in an absolute perfect place, there was a split. Because one of the archangels, who was in charge of worship, suddenly said, I'm better than God, and I can be better than God. And he did better than that. He then went around with his leadership skills and got a whole of a third of heaven to come into agreement with him. A third of heaven to come into agreement with him that he was better than God. And it was that same rebellious snake that spoke the same words to Adam and Eve. Yeah. You can be better than God. And rebellion was born into the earth. Yeah. <laughs> Stand with me and I'll pray. And then we'll have the band up as well, I think. A oh, lot time's gone. I'll hand over to you. So God, the, uh, the the Scripture says this: It says, "Search me, O God, and see if there is any offensive way within me." And God, that is our heart's desire. It's not that we look out at people who may be rebellious to us, but we look in and say, "God, search me. Is there any rebellious, selfish ambition within me that seeks to promote me over others?" then God, I pray today You'd remove that from our hearts. And we'd even consider others better than ourselves. God, I thank You for the authority and structure that You have placed in being. And God, we ask for Your forgiveness and I ask for Your forgiveness for times I have spoken out against that authority and structure. And God, I pray that you would heal your church of rebellion. In Jesus' name.